Sign up with BetMGM Sports using code CHAMPION200 and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 money line wager on any Major League Baseball game and either team hits a home run. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> you talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Chanae Ogumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. In the Know, the Bourbon Street Shots Podcast. We're your hosts, Shemit Duop and Mason Ginsberg, and this is all Pelicans all the time. Welcome to In the Know, brought to you by Indeed and BetOnline.ag. We have a very, very special guest, perhaps one of the more famous people of basketball Twitter, definitely one of the most famous people covering the Miami Heat. We have Nikias Duncan of BasketballNews.com. Um, he's put out great work on the Twitter sphere and other places. I'm sure you guys have heard of him by now. Nikias, what's up, my man? Hello, hello. Uh, I don't know about very, very special guests, but I appreciate the boost in the morning. I need that. Oh, no, for sure, man. We've been wanting to have you on this pod for quite some time, and it seemed like the stars have aligned with all these trade rumors swirling and the offseason upon us. Um, what's up with you? What What have you been up to this offseason? You know, you recently joined uh, BasketballNews.com. What's that been like? And yeah, man, take us through your your journey to how you started covering the Heat and, and where you are now. Oh man, if we're going way back, I started quote unquote covering basketball, writing about basketball back in twenty, I think summer of twenty eleven is when I started. I was helping run an NBA Facebook page called NBA Talk. Um, at that point, I was just kind of one of those essay writing commenters. I wasn't in that man yet. 
but uh, enough people liked my opinions and what I was writing and the free agency news that I was sharing from Twitter because Twitter wasn't that big at the time. Um, I was, it felt like I was one of the handful of people on Facebook that knew who Woj was at that point because he was at Yahoo Sports. So I was helping the page get free agency news before anyone because Woj was just tweeting stuff out like 30 minutes to an hour before the ESPN guys got a hand, uh, got to it. So I kind of parlayed that into it at men's spot and I was doing more uh, like free agency breakdowns, um, series previews and things of that nature. And I built an audience there and then eventually moved full time to Twitter. And that led to some uh, some writing opportunities. Um, full scale sports was my first one, a small startup spot. Um, and just kind of grinding from there, continue to tweet out stuff, writing stuff, um, just connecting with a bunch of different people. That eventually turned into some more opportunities. Um, eventually, a couple years ago, um, started writing for Dime, did some freelance stuff for SB Nation, um, got to Bleacher Report. And just this August is when I got the my first full-time offer um, with basketballnews.com. So that's been pretty exciting for me. Um, love basically being the film guy there for right now. Um, but it, it's it's been an experience. It's been a journey. I've parlayed like Facebook commenting into a full-time job to where I can just kind of sit here and talk basketball, watch basketball, then on my off time, I can buy it with this new PS5. It's, 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 I'm living the life right now. Wow, look at that flex right there, the new PS5 rubbing in everyone's faces. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but for real, man, uh, I feel like for a lot of listeners on the podcast, we often we sometimes get questions, uh, Mason and I, like, how did you guys get your start? How did you guys get to um, covering the Pelicans and all that? And I feel like people need to look at you as the inspiration, as the example of how to grind your way into, into something big. And, and, and you're probably going to end up with something even bigger um, knowing you and how hard you work. And so it really is about putting um, effort and putting the work out there that you do, doing your homework, doing all the research and then relationships. It's, it's who you connect with, how you interact with them. And, and slowly, you know, if you continue to grind, like, like, um, uh, like Nikias did, you'll end up in a position where you're starting to find success. So, you know, major props to you, my man, uh, on that. I'm happy for you and your journey. And um, I feel like what we want to move on to next is is talking with the Heat. You guys had an unbelievable season, ended up in the finals, which, I mean, I guess Jimmy Butler would have expected you guys end up in the finals, but I feel like most people in the media sphere would not have predicted that in the beginning of the season. What were your thoughts when you guys first acquired Jimmy and with what you guys had to give up to get him. And then what were your thoughts going into the season? And did you feel like the, the heat had that kind of ceiling? Um, I will say off the bat, no, I didn't think the heat had that kind of ceiling, but the heat certainly did. Um, one of the pieces I wrote to um, pop off the, the off season, right. Or the postseason, right before I got my offer to uh basketballnews.com. It was for five reasons sports. They covered the Miami Heat pretty extensively. Um, it was a piece on how they transformed their offense. And one of the first anecdotes I got um, was talking with Myers Leonard. And I got to talk to him after the Heat Lakers game in Miami back in November, I believe it was. And he told me a little story about Eric Spolster kind of uh, meeting with the team first day of training camp. And he's like, hey, we have a talented group of guys here. I'm ready to compete for a championship right now. Let's get to work. And Myers Lynn was just kind of blown away, like, wow, he is 
I mean, you all you always hear the lip service, hey, we're gonna we're gonna work hard, we're gonna try to make the finals, but he felt how serious Eric Spolster was about this team making the finals that year. And sure enough, their offense was a lot better than I expected. Um, a lot of that was because of Jimmy Butler basically getting to play point forward um, full time for the first time in his career. He's, you know, he's had ball handling reps, obviously, in Chicago and Minnesota. And he's always kind of splitting those duties with someone else. Uh, this time it felt like he was actually the point guard kind of directing traffic in the half court, running a lot of pick and rolls. Um, offense really ran through him and Bam Adebayo. And with the young guys like uh, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn, who had a good regular season, just kind of fell apart towards the back end of the year. Um, all of those guys contributed to Miami having a top 10 offense. Um, coming into the year, I thought with the addition of Jimmy Butler, giving them a late game option, the guys you can trust, um, ball, handling the ball. I felt like the offense would move into – I thought the offense would be average or slightly above average, honestly. But I thought Butler's acquisition was really a signal to how strong the defense was going to be. But it ended up – the story was basically uh, flipped. Uh, Miami had a middling defense for most of the year, and their offense was borderline elite all year. So that was my first surprise there. But I felt like um, I felt like they had a second-round ceiling. I feel like they'll win a first-round series, and then depending on where they land in the standings, if that's a second-round matchup with Milwaukee, if that's with Boston or with Toronto, then, you know, if they can push that series to six or seven games, that's a successful first year of the Jimmy Butler era. And then you just kind of move towards making um, making the big splash in 2021. Um, obviously, they kind of blew those expectations out of the water, um, beat an injured Indy squad, um, blew the brakes off of the Bucks. honestly, even before Giannis got hurt, beat Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals, um, the series I did not think they would win. Thought it would be hard fought, but I thought Boston had a lot of wing talent that the Heat and their defense just didn't have the, the horses to deal with, but they did so. And even despite their own injuries, fought pretty hard against the Lakers in the finals. So I, I don't think you could ask for anything more from the Heat team. I, so I have a lot of questions about the Heat and, and their their young players and 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 kind of how they uh, were able to make such an impact so early in their careers. And so uh, uh, one question really around the playoffs in general and what you think is repeatable and, and what's not, and one around just the Heat's player development uh you know because you, you look at a two i think the two sides of the, of the spectrum we've seen historically is like the spurs and then the kings where you say like the spurs <laughs> those those players in the spurs you know if you if they get traded to another team maybe they don't look as good as they did in the spurs system and then conversely it was like oh just get that guy off the kings and he's going to be good wherever <laughs> right. it goes um where do you feel like the heat fall in that spectrum of, of like player development versus just legit having good players that would that would work everywhere and also, I'm curious, uh, and uh, tackle these however you want, but the other question I had is really around how they've fared in the bubble and how much you think of that is just by nature of, you know, maybe it's less intimidating for young world players to be in a bubble versus on the road in the playoffs and how repeatable you think that is, like, in in a real environment whenever that happens three or four years from now at this point. <laughs> right, right. So I think in terms of the player development, I think um... – just off the top of my head, like Miami, San Antonio, Toronto, and whatever order you want to put them in, I think they're kind of the gold standard in finding those diamonds in the rough. Like even before the Heat built a finals contender out of nowhere, during the down years, they found Hassan Whiteside out of nowhere. They found a guy like Tyler Johnson out of nowhere. Um, digging a little deeper, they they got good minutes out of like O'Carl White, guys like that. So they've been able to hit on those G, um, D League, now G League guys, um, free agents, 
Um, again, picked Duncan Robinson up. He went undrafted. Kendrick Nunn went undrafted for uh, a lot of reasons. Um, um, great, um, find a great value late lottery with Bam out of bio. He's developed a lot faster than even the Heat anticipated. Tyler Hero, um, obviously showed some showed more than I thought. Um, I'm pretty much a meme in Heat Twitter because of how I trashed the pick at the time, and he's been fantastic for Miami. So I think in terms of player development, they definitely have they have their methods, they have their types. Um, a lot of that is intangible as well. They want mentally tough guys. So I think that kind of goes into the second part about how much is um, replicable. Uh, the bubble environment was obviously different with no crowd, no true home court. But also the Heat kind of seek out those Tyler Hero types that they're going to work hard, they're going to be loud about it, and they're not scared of anything. Uh, Duncan Robinson, you know, he will fling shots from anywhere. It doesn't matter who's, how, how to, what the contest is, um, what the defensive coverage is. He's fine taking shots with two or three hands in his face if he has to. Like, he's not scared at the moment. So in terms of how the young guys can fare in a playoff setting, if we do have fans or whatever the uh, arena capacity looks like next season, uh, like, I don't have any worries about that. Uh, those guys are mentally tough on their own. And then the Heat, you know, their culture is cliche as it can sound sometimes. Like, they just feel the organization, feel the front office, feel the coaching staff, feel the roster with those mentally tough dudes. Um, guys like Udonis Haslam, he's been a mainstay in Miami for basically my entire adult life and then some, um, though that's, uh, that can lead to a, another conversation about him having a roster spot still at this stage. But anyway, just having guys like Udonis Haslam, having guys like Jimmy Butler, who will go after it, uh, Bam Adebayo again, young guy, but he still exhibits, um, a lot of those traits, um, mentally tough guy. It, once you fought fester that kind of environment, it's easy for those young guys to kind of uh, slide into place. And that's, I feel like that's also been the most underrated part of Jimmy Butler's season. He was great on the court, obviously, but the way that he played, the way that he empowered the young guys all year long, um, I think kind of planted those seeds. So once they got into the playoffs, those guys were even more ready for big moments. So I think moving forward, I don't worry about the young guys wilting under pressure. Um, in terms of the play style in general, um, Golden State-esque in terms of the high post split action that they run. Um, Jimmy Butler can get to get to the line, get to the rim whenever he wants to. Bam out of bio, um, operating as a dribble handoff hub above the break. Um, I think a lot of that's replicable. Uh, Duncan Robinson just had one of the best shooting seasons ever um, in terms of volume, in terms of difficulty of his looks. Um, maybe you see a little more, see a little regression next year in terms of the percentages, but I think the ball skills that he developed out of those dribble handoff actions with teams showing high, and he's fitting in those pocket passes, things like that, that's going to help his development moving forward. So even if the three-point shooting goes down, Miami may be a little bit more dangerous in half-court situations. You may see more four-on-threes, and as a guy like Bam gets more aggressive attacking the basket, that's going to open up even more possibilities for everyone. Um, Tyler Hero, again, not scared at the moment, um, became – especially when Goran Dragic went down, became basically their primary pick-and-roll ball handler. Um, wasn't always good at it, but I think those reps are going to help moving forward. Um, the big thing really is just going to be trying to find a point-of-attack defender, um, either through the draft or through free agency, and seeing what happens with Jay Crowder, what they're going to do with the four spot in general. I think having a floor spacer alongside Bam is really what helps unlock him and helps unlock the rest of the roster with him and Jimmy Butler not being great shooters. So, but I do think they have a system in place to where it's going to be pretty plug and play. Um, those guys are all smart. Um, they're all aggressive. They all make smart basketball reads. 
So I, I don't really see a world to where they're much worse next year, if at all. So I think Mason and I both agree that the Pelicans could use all of that in any <laughs> every fashion, <laughs> every single bit of it, um, you know, both from a talent perspective and, and a culture perspective. One of the items that people debate on Twitter and um, in the media is, you know, these guys who um, fight tooth and nail for everything that have quote unquote heat culture is it something that's innate within them or is it something that the heat are developing and fostering within these guys? And it's kind of contagious. You know, if you end up there, um, you're, you're going to be a part of it all. Um, or, you know, is, is it that, you know, Riley and, and the front office staff are just really good at identifying who those players are that, that play with that chip on their shoulder and, um, you know, take it to the next level. Where where do you lie in the whole like nature versus nurture debate on when it comes to that? Because this is just a, to, for context. This was a big gentry uh, detract. Uh, people were very anti gentry in this respect, and so uh, saying that he didn't really motivate motivate the guys, and and so it, it, it's a question like you said, it's been hugely debated on Twitter up until Gentry's departure. So very curious what your thoughts are as someone who's really seen it live. Yeah, I mean, like the easy answer is that it's both. Um, I would lean towards the front office kind of establishing that standard. Again, Pat Riley's been been in Miami since 1995, I want to say. So, like, he he has been that rugged personality, huge emphasis on accountability, huge emphasis on um, conditioning, just grinding, uh, mucking up games, being grinders on and off the court. Like, Pat Riley has established that standard. And once you have lockstep there, you know, he was a coach first and then he moved into the front office, but he kept that standard still. Um, that's why he kind of handpicked Eric Spolstra, a guy that worked from the worked his way from the video room to, onto the sideline. Um, once you have that standard in place, then it becomes a lot easier to pinpoint the type of guys that you want and seeing who fits that mold and who doesn't. So I think it's, it starts at the top first. Once that standard is set, then you can say, okay, this guy fits, let's bring him in. And those guys that already fit from a personality standpoint, they have an easier time adapting and producing and improving in that system because they're basically at home. Um, that's one of the things that Jimmy Butler has mentioned multiple times throughout this season. Um, people ask him, hey, how are you liking Miami or why do you love Miami so much? He's like, hey, I can just be myself. I can hold these guys accountable. I can cuss at a guy. He won't take it personally. We just move on to the next play. Um, they play like me. They practice like me. Um, when he first got there, he flew um, Tyler Hero out to work out with him. You know, Myers Leonard was doing 4 a.m. workouts with Jimmy Butler within the first week of Butler being acquired. So, like, all of that stems from the top. It's the standard that Pat Riley met. I mean, he set. Um, Eric Spolster followed suit. And then the guys under him also follow suit. So once you get a guy like Jimmy Butler who fits that organizational ethos, and he's the best player on the team or the leader of the team, it's easy for the guys under him to follow suit as well. And once you have everyone in lockstep, then that kind of synergy bleeds onto the court as well. Yeah, yeah. that makes makes a lot of sense. And I, I think um, that's earmuffs for everyone in Minnesota, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
but um, but yeah, so th- that's that's awesome. Uh, Schmidt, I was going to jump to you know the off season, but I don't want to jump too quickly. As uh, no, you, um, no, yes. let's uh, let's let's continue with the off season. Um, I think the Heat have very interesting decisions coming up. Obviously, they've leaked not they, but you know it's been leaked the first free agent uh, sound uh, signing. And um, Haslam's coming back, which is great, which is you guys get the captain back. And that's a, another thing in the whole culture bucket of, of the Miami Heat. Um, but with regards to specific targets and whatnot, the Heat haven't really given off strong signals. Um, at least maybe you're more aware than I am uh, of which direction they intend to take. And it, it seems like, obviously, they want to maintain flexibility should Giannis become available as a trade target or as a free agent in the future and that kind of drives some level of decision making but with respect to you know without you know without considering Giannis what else would the Heat be really up to this summer? I think this summer the big thing for them will be bringing back their free agents probably saying it's Derrick Jones Jr. I think he's going to find himself a younger team that's willing to give them years and dollars that Miami probably won't be able to give him. I mean, technically can give him, but in terms of the role that Derrick Jones Jr. will also want, I think he will find uh, greener pastures on a team like Atlanta that wants to play fast, and he has some wing minutes to snag there. But uh, bringing Goran Dragic back sounds like priority number one. Um, He was a savior in the bubble uh, before he got hurt. He was basically their fourth quarter option to run a high pick and rolls with Bam Adebayo. Um, the Dragic Bam pick and roll in the Eastern Conference Finals specifically just kind of torched Boston. Um, I think Brendan Goran back um, had a had a six man of the year um, case. Um, it's probably in that second tier of candidates there. This was really good calming presence offensively. Um, bringing him back is going to be priority number one. Bringing Jay Crowder back, um, what he did at the four. Um, just punching above his weight all postseason long, really, um, defending front court guys and then shooting the skin off the ball for two and a half rounds uh, really helped unlock Miami's offense. But uh, beyond that, it's just going to kind of trying to add some veterans, again, maintaining that flexibility. Um, Wes Matthews has been rumored um, as far as a heat target. I think he would fit right in, um, obviously close with Jimmy Butler. We'll give Miami another wing defender, another guy that can shoot threes. Um an occasional post threat if they want to mash a smaller guard the team tries to hide on West. But I think he's he's a top-tier target. Uh, there's been a little bit of smoke around Paul Millsap if they do want to upgrade at the four or just add some depth at the four. Um, as far as trade targets, I don't think we're going to see anything drastic um, from all, from what I've read and from what I've heard from people. Like It doesn't seem like the Victor Oladipo thing is going to come to fruition despite how much Depot wants that for himself. Um, I wouldn't be <laughs> – oh, man, that guy. That's, that's some good content. But uh, I don't think we're going to see a major trade, like unless the Wizards randomly reverse course on Bradley Beal. I think that's a guy Miami be willing to punt on some flexibility for and kind of push those young chips to the table and bring in a Bradley Beal. But um, – just listening to the low post pod with uh, Tommy Shepard the other day, uh, he's pretty adamant. Like Bill's not even, they're not even like taking calls on Bill. So if he's telling the truth, then I don't see that happening. So maybe a draft day trade, but other than that, I think it's just going to be retaining their free agents and then adding a vet or two to make another push. And then they're going to make the big splash to 2021. 
So I think Pelicans fans all want to know, what are you going to do with Solomon Hill? I was going to go there too. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> oh, man. If I can not to my uh, my brothers at Miami Heat beat uh, their anime correspondent, Solomon Hill, I think they would love for him to come back on a minimum deal. And honestly, Solomon Hill was fine for what he was. I mean, he was basically a 10th man. Um, got some random minutes in the Eastern Conference Finals as a small ball four, small ball five, and he was okay. So, I mean, you could do a lot worse, a lot worse than Solomon Hill as basically what your fourth or fifth forward. Um, I don't think he'll command too much on the Freedom's market. Um, just listening to a couple of pot appearances that he did with Miami Heat, be, like, he seems to like Miami quite a bit. So, I think he's definitely going to be. He's already given you all pot appearances. Okay. So, <laughs> I. Um, Solomon Hill is one of my favorite players just to be around and interact with. And um, one of my favorite players I've covered in every, basically every game or like every time he'd come back from a road trip, I'd catch up with him on like what animes he's watching. um, You know, if he's seen this or if he's seen that and whatnot, it was honestly one of the more enjoyable parts of my times covering the Pelicans when we were still able to get a locker. Um, Obviously that's all changed, but I always wanted to get him on a podcast so we can just shit talk about anime and, and basketball. Mm-hmm. And that never came to fruition because I um you know he was he was moved before uh we could do any of that. But man, I'm I'm very jealous that they they were able to get him on a podcast. Oh man, he's a great dude. Yeah, they uh they if I remember the story correctly, they like added him on Twitter about anime and then he um, accepted an invite to come on and they talked and then towards the end of that pod it was like hey if you guys make the finals we're going to have you back on <laughs> and he was like alright and that was at the I want to say that was at the beginning of the bubble games by one if I remember correctly and sure enough the Heat made the finals and <laughs> they slid back to his DMs like hey uh, sounds like we need to do another pod and sure enough he came back on so uh, very cool for them to develop that uh, that relationship uh, he, he just seems like a great dude. he's a great culture guy he will he will go to bat for any of his players like he, okay. there was a famous moment where you know ad was i think he was playing memphis and he was matched up against some scrawny dude and um or maybe he was playing the heat i forget who it was but solomon hill you could just hear him on the floor he's like cook his ass drop 40 <laughs> on him <laughs> you know you could just hear him he's, he's a great teammate to have Oh man, he's fantastic! Like I've only gotten gotten to talk to him once during one of those Zoom interviews, um, but he's you know he's a very smart dude, very personable dude. Again, he will ride for who whatever team he's on, whoever his teammates are. Uh, just a great guy to have in your locker room in general. So I I wouldn't mind him coming back to Miami if the price is right. Um, I don't expect him to have a robust market, so maybe we see that happen. As far as other uh, other free agents, whether it's your own or um, or other teams, I'm curious. Given given the flexibility that Miami has, do you see them either a participating on either end of, of potential sign in trades, or b just throwing throwing bloated one year deals to certain players just to just to beat out other you know other other teams while maintaining flexibility? Or what do you kind of see as as the as the salary structures to, uh, that that Miami might be considering in light of the fact that they've got their eyes focused on next off season. Um, I think they're going, I'm pretty sure they're just going to operate as an over the cap team, give a one year balloon deal to Gorn, give a one year balloon deal to Jay Crowder. And then they're going to have the big boy mid-level exception. So if that's splitting it between like Millsap and West Matthews, if that's possible, 
um, if they want to give the full thing to uh, Danilo Gallinari, if the reports are true that he's going winning over a payday. So if if he's willing to take something like that, then I think that would interest Miami a lot. Um, I don't I don't fully believe Gallo. Uh, I don't think he's going to take like a mid-level section. I think he's going to take a – he'll be assigned a trade somewhere. So I don't really see Miami in the hunt like that. But I'm sure they're going to hunt out a move like that just to see where he is. Um, I think it's going to be a stand pat and that type offseason for them. Like uh, they do have the ability if they want to renounce, you know, cap holds on Gorn, the cap holds on Jay Crowder. They can get up to, I think, $22 million of cap space. So if they want to be a team that can absorb, you know, say a one-year guy, if they want to hit up San Antonio, say, hey, we'll take DeMar DeRozan for a year or we'll take a LaMarcus Aldridge. We have some salary in Andrea Godala or Kelly Olenek to kind of make that work if we open up our cap space. Maybe they do something like that to make a short-term game that doesn't, um, you know, infringe upon their cap space next year. But ultimately, I think it's just going to be retaining their guys on one-year deals and then seeing what they get with MLE. The wait is finally over. Football's back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From games, spreads, and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on the season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. So you already kind of touched on the fact that the Heat aren't really going to make major trades. Where do you expect them to lie on the whole Drew Holiday trade market? I think in a vacuum, I think Drew Holiday makes a lot of sense for Miami. Um, I guess just in terms of the half-court fit, I think the question is the shot, even though Drew has been a pretty good spot-up shooter over the last four or five years, at least on catch-and-shoot looks. So I think it's workable. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I think Miami's biggest issue last year was point of attack defense. Um, you can maybe name two, three guys that can fit that billing better than Drew Holiday could. Just a ridiculous defender across basically four positions, honestly. Um, so I think he fits. Um, I don't think the Heat are going to be serious players in that. Um, if I had a guess, 
not because they're not interested or that he's not worth getting into that space. Because again, even if they trade for him and they need to cre- create some space and they get a Giannis commitment, uh, Miami's going to make moves. Like they just acquired Jimmy Butler last offseason with no cap space. So they can make things work if they get a commitment. But I don't think they are willing to offer what it would take to get Drew Holiday. Um, if New Orleans was willing to do like none, the 20th pick, Duncan Robinson, and then salary filler, I guess that's Iguodala and Olenek, then I think Miami would probably do that. Uh, I think New Orleans would rightfully ask for Tyler Hero and stuff if they're going to trade Drew Holiday, and Miami would rightfully say, no, we're not going to do that. If we're going to push for Hero, we're going to push for a little uh, higher trade target. So I don't really see uh, I don't really see a fit there in terms of the negotiations. So do you think in a hypothetical situation where Giannis comes out and he signs the Supermax, right, and he's off the market completely, mm-hmm. and Drew, through his agent, lets Miami know, you know he's willing to re-up with them for a reasonable price or whatever it may be, do you think that situation's that that changes the situation any with regards to Harrow being put on the table? Uh, I think they could talk themselves into putting out a little bit more. Um, I mean they're not they don't have a lot of picks to work with because they just trade them all for whatever reason. I don't know. I think they have a second round pick in twenty twenty two, and then after that they don't have a second round pick for like four or five years. Uh, the first rounders can't really be touched yet. Even this year's pick, they have to make the pick first before they move it. Um, but maybe they'll be able to find some ways to add more draft capital. I still don't see them giving up Tyler Hero in a Drew Holiday trade. So I think if that's the hard line, then I don't think Miami and New Orleans are going to be talking for very long. If that's not the hard line, if they are willing to take Duncan Robinson um, 20 pick, um, if it's none, if it's adding Casey Akpala as a little bit of a sweetener, depending on how uh, the New Orleans front office brass feels about his potential. Um, again, looking at some of the later picks they can get their hands on, depending on when those, uh, when those requirements are met, then maybe I, I just see Miami getting outbid pretty easily by a team like Denver if they really want Drew. So I, I don't really see Miami as a serious player there. I I, 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 we'll settle for Bam. Man, is that is that cool? Ah, <laughs> uh, gonna be honest. I don't know if that's hard. Uh, so. See, I, I, I feel like uh, the the thing that I've been wrestling with a little bit in my head is that like thinking about a team like Denver, I, I feel like the there's there's an option always on the table to to go and ask for just like a couple later like first round picks a few years down the road because I feel like with Denver after uh, the contract for Jokic expires like who knows right whereas like Miami their front office is just so good I don't want their future pick because I just have no I have no like look what they did with their cap situation everyone was valuing that first round pick that the Clippers had I think it bounced around a little bit but and look what I mean look what happened to it and so I just have no confidence that any first round picks from Miami will end up being (laughs) of any value and so that makes it tough Right, right. Dude. I'm glad you brought that up because the, that 2021 pick, I think that's what it was, that I'm not sure why people ever thought that was like, it was treated like a top five <laughs> asset in basketball. And I'm just like. The cap sheet was so bad. That's why. But yeah. It's <laughs> like the cap sheet was bad. Like I, I was very frustrated watching slash covering that team because it was just a bunch of junk. But it's just like Eric Spolster's the coach. Like they're going to win. Like on a bad team, they're going to win 35 games. Like you're just, that that pick was just never going to be a top three, top five pick. It just wasn't. There's a, there's a pro basketball negotiation competition 
that happens in New Orleans. Tulane hosts it every single year. It's a really good competition. Um, there's a bunch of execs that come out to judge um, every single year. Um, some some pretty big names too, like Bobby Marks was here this year. Um, and there's law schools that come over from all over the country to to compete. And their Sears finals uh, was three law schools, and they were competing against a panel of judges who uh, are experienced front office members, right? Um, the judges were representing New Orleans and each school was representing the Miami Heat. And the trade negotiation was Drew Holiday. And man, the, the front office executives like just completely ran all over the school kids because the each team ended up basically giving up like bam hero duncan robinson picks like you know like there was like only one team that like managed to hold on to bam and they were like nope we're building around jimmy and bam that's it end of story but like every team was just giving up and i was like i was like looking over there was like um there's a couple people from the pels there i was like if you guys had this on the table and say no I will write so many hit pieces about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's not oh, even God. funny, but yeah, no, f- funny to see that all play out. Um, but kind of moving on from the Drew Holiday stuff, when you look at the Pelicans roster um, and, 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 you know, any other assets they have, are there any pieces or players outside of Zion Williamson and, and Brandon Ingram that you would see the heat being interested in potentially? Like, I'm not sure how interested the Heat would be just because of maybe some off-court stuff sounds too tough. Like, I, I, that sounds a little aggressive. But maybe some intangible stuff. Like, I feel like Lonzo Ball would just be a fantastic fit in Miami. Like, you don't want him being, like, your half-court initiator, but as a guy that can shoot, a guy that can beat scrambling defenses with the pass, um, a versatile defender across three positions, um, just a transition savant can kind of juice that transition attack from Miami. Like, I feel like that would just be a, a glove in hand fit, hand in glove fit. However, the, uh, however the phrase goes, like, uh, just don't ask OJ. <laughs> oh, man. oh God, you are terrible. But uh, I, I think Lonzo ball would be a fantastic fit. Um, I, I just don't see what new Orleans would want. In a deal like that, um, I don't know where they're at in those negotiations. Uh, Lonzo's up for an extension this summer, correct? Well, this offseason. Next, next summer, yeah. Next, okay. Oh, sorry. His, his, yeah, he's a restricted free agent next summer. Okay. So, yeah, I, I don't know how much they – how committed they are to him and how, you know, what they would want for him. But, I mean, if Miami could snag him, like, I – I mean, thumbs up for here. It would it would absolutely infuriate me because I know it would happen. He would buy into the role in Miami that that he hasn't been buying into yet in New Orleans, and he would look incredible in Miami. And everyone would say the Pelicans gave him away <laughs> for nothing, even though that's a role that I'm not even convinced the Pelicans can ever get him to play. But um, but yeah, um, that, I think I I mean I don't know uh, Schmidt. I mean as, as far as the Pelicans' uh, uh, reluctance or decision to hold on to him, like I. I think I think he could be on the table. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think they don't haven't necessarily made a decision with him yet. You know, they they don't really know what they have, and I'm sure if the right offer presents itself, they move on it. And uh, I don't know if the Heat would be willing to offer something to Pelicans. Like like I think the line would be Duncan Robinson, and I don't think the Heat would offer Duncan Robinson for Lonzo Ball. Maybe I'm wrong, um, but I feel like if he was offered, the Pelicans would do it. If not, you know, you kind of look at the rest of the roster, Olenek, none, um, the pick and stuff. I'm not sure if that necessarily appeals to front office enough to 
pull the trigger. Although I don't know. So I, I know there's a lot of fans that would be talked into like, you know, salary. So whatever, you know, salary you want to throw in, maybe it's a Linux and then the pick, but again, do the, are, are the heat willing to offer that? I, I don't know. I, I would imagine so honestly, like if the, if it's, if it's Olenek, twi- uh, if it's Olenek 20 and another smaller piece, if it's none, if it's Akpala, like I don't see why you say no to that if you're Miami. Um, again, as you mentioned, Lonzo Ball doesn't hit restricted free agency until next offseason. So, I mean, they would have a relatively low cap hold there, um, at least compared to what Olenek's contract is now. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think it would probably be a little bit less, it would probably be a little bit less than Olenek's cap hold. And they could walk from it if they wanted to. Right. So, I mean, they would still have flexibility to bring him back, um, re-sign Bam if they don't give him the extension this offseason. Um, they would have the max cap space to play with if they want to bring in a Giannis if he commits, um, a Paul George or a Kawhi if either of those guys decline their player options next offseason. So, I, I think that would be a deal that they would do. Uh, I'm, I'm just more concerned. I don't know what New Orleans would I wonder if there's something that could be done around a, a, a Derek Jones Jr. sign and trade. Um, I don't know. Hey, maybe maybe there's a there's a better opportunity to make this deal than I thought. Yeah, like if Miami could, if they could just kind of uh, kill their point of attack issues with Lonzo Ball. Like this is this seems to be. I mean, the draft doesn't seem to be great at the top, but it does seem deep, and it seems especially deep at point guard. Right. So I think. Yes, and Miami can talk themselves into keeping the pick and drafting like a Tyreek Smith, see if he falls or Emmanuel quickly or whatever. But also, if New Orleans is willing to give up Lonzo in a deal that's around that 20 pick and then whatever salary they want to match, if it's Olenek, if it's Olenek and none, if it's whatever, then you could get, let's say it is Olenek, you get a front court spacer, which you're going to need alongside a guy like Zion. You get a 20 pick, which that's a cost control asset, and it's a pretty deep point guard draft, so you can kind of replace Lonzo there. Um, if you want a guy that can get it off the bounce a little bit more, like a guy like Tyrell Terry still, will probably still be there. Uh, Grant Riller might fall to 20. So maybe you juice your half-court creation there with a pick. So I I mean, maybe this is something they, they can work out. What do you know? Amazing. I didn't expect this. I didn't expect <laughs> this walking down this route. Yeah. Um, I, I, but so I am curious about one point, um, you know, given his minutes were kind of um, oscillated throughout the year. Uh, what can you tell our listeners about a guy they may have not seen that, that much uh, this year in, uh, in, in uh, Derek Jones, Jr. Uh, I, I, I've seen some of him and I know, I feel like he's one of the biggest mysteries in the free agent class and, and the, the range of salary expectations for him and his next deal are pretty all over the map from what I've seen. Uh, what do you think? Uh, I feel like my view of him is going to be slightly negative just because I've been so close to it. But I think in general, like he is a good versatile defender. He can defend one through three, one through four in a pinch, depending on who the four is. He's not a guy that can handle like power wings. He's not going to defend. He's not going to defend the LeBron or Kawhi, but you can toss him on like a James Harden. Um, In the Atlanta matchups, he was basically the primary defender on Trey Young and held his own there. Um, just a bunch of limbs that he can just kind of fling everywhere. So he's always in the passing lanes. Um, Miami put him at the top of their two-three zone when they would go to it, and he was just a menace there. Um, fantastic transition player. Um, can throw can throw him a lot from just about anywhere. Um, that would be must-see TV if you have whoever the point guard is in New Orleans, uh, if it's Lonzo or someone else via trade. 
Um, if you have Zion on one side and Derrick Jones Jr. on the other side, you have some NBA Street Volume 3 type double offs going there if you want to. <laughs> yeah. So that would be fun. Um, really good offensive rebounder. Um, solid pick and roll, solid roller and pick and roll. Doesn't set great screens. He kind of ghosts a lot of them just because he's so thin. But I mean, the change of directions very quickly. He can he can load up and jump with the best of them. So I mean, he's always going to be a threat there. Uh, the big thing is the shot. The jumper just hasn't come around yet, and he doesn't have much ball skills at all, which is why he's more of a, a super skinny four more so than a three. <clears throat> so I think you have to have some very specific lineups around him. Um, to make him super effective. And with him needing those kind of uh, parameters in the half court, it makes it limits his value in playoff settings, which is why his minutes basically evaporated outside of like end of game, we need to stop possessions in which you just toss him out there and he's just all over the place. Um, if he if he can attack a closeout with two dribbles, then I think he's fine. If he becomes a reliable corner shooter, then he'll be fine. It just has to, it has to be at least one of those. He doesn't have either of those right now, so I think that's why he's not going to command a lot of money this summer. Yeah, I I feel like every single Pelicans fan out there saying, "Oh, well, Fred Vincent can teach him to shoot like he teaches like he like he helped with Lonzo," as if like if there's some magic wand. Yeah, we can, we can <laughs> like he taught Kenridge to shoot. <laughs> yeah, or Solomon Hill, right? <laughs> Solo Hill was fine. You know, yeah. I I would take Solo Hill level shot making from Derek Jones Jr. Uh, yeah, if fair. if yeah. if that was the case, but um. Yeah, I think it's interesting because a lot of the things you mentioned question um, his fit around Williamson, who has a lot of the same limitations as well as a shooter. And it would be difficult to put both of them out unless you were playing a super high-paced transition game for bursts, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he's, he's an intriguing person. But the, another free agent that I'm interested in is, is Myers Leonard. And I wanted to get your thoughts on what kind of market he might contend and more, and more importantly, can he start at center, um, not play starter minutes at center, but can he start at center and, and you be fine? Um, I think uh, to answer the second question first, yes, he absolutely can start at center. Um, he was the starting center for Miami all of the regular season until they downsized to the postseason. Um, he had an injury right before the shutdown that kind of played into the decision to kind of keep him out of the starting lineup once the playoff rolled around. But he was a part of the five-man unit. Um, Nunn, Robinson, Butler, Adebayo, Leonard uh, was one of the best starting lineups in basketball all year long in terms of net rating. Um, pretty high sample there in terms of the minute count. Um, the frustrating thing with Myers Leonard is that he just doesn't shoot as much as you would like him to. Uh, very frustrating, uh, especially within like the first month and a half, two months of the season to where he's shooting like, you look at this percentage, he shoots like 48% from three, but it's on like two attempts. And it's just like, well, buddy, you you have to do something. The screens are nice, but uh, you have a built-in shot opportunity. You like to get that up to four or five, maybe six. But um, either way, like he, he's a really good shooter. He's a really good screener. Um, big body down low that can absorb blows on the block. Um, teams try to post them up, um, boxes out well. Not a strong rebounder himself, but he'll help clean the glass for you. Very vocal on the defensive end, call, calling out coverages, calling out sets. So, and he's really great in the locker room. Um, honestly, with that with that kind of communication skills that he brings, um, just being the vocal leader that he is, he, he seems like a great fit for Stan Van Gundy in particular. I think they will get along with this side. 
Um, but yeah, he will space the floor for Zion above the break. If he wants to, you know, they're going to use him as like the diver or have him coming off those pin downs from the wings like they do. Um, I think it's a pretty, that's a pretty solid fit there if Myers were to go. Um, as far as his market, I don't think it's going to be a big market for him. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if what we saw in the playoffs or just in the bubble in general with him not playing as much that may affect this market some in addition to the market just being tight this year anyway because of uh, what COVID did to the money. But uh, so maybe maybe the taxpayers mid-level, like the $5 million, whatever, um, that or less is probably what I would anticipate. I don't see him getting big money this summer. Do you do you feel like the Pelicans would be limited to a specific style of defense if they they pick him up? Um, you know, knowing that Zion is not Bam Adebayo, and and knowing <laughs> that if they move Drew Holiday, you know they don't they don't have that level of perimeter defender. I don't know. Maybe they get back interesting defensive pieces in in trades they make. But you know, what kind of style of defense would you anticipate the Pelicans run with? Uh, Leonard, do you think they'd play up more? Do you think play, you know, drop, maybe a soft drop? Where, where do you – or could he do all the above? Uh, I think it would definitely be a Milwaukee-style drop from Myers Leonard. Um, he does move his feet a little bit better than you would think. Um, so you could afford a soft drop in some situations, but I think primarily it's going to be that deep drop. You want to keep him, keep him around the rim because he's not a great shot blocker. He's just a really big body, um, pretty good with his verticality, things of that nature. So I think keeping him near the rims where he can box out and have a guy like Zion swoop in, grab the board, and push it from there, I think that's going to be his best uh, role. Makes sense. Fun fact, he has blocked me on Twitter, which I found out pretty recently, and I, I was like trying to figure out why he would have done that. And four years ago, I had tweeted, Boogie is absolutely destroying Myers Leonard. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was some i think it was the portland game that like boogie dropped like 50 55 or something like that but um this is when boogie was still with the kings but yeah i i think that may have done it uh that's that's kind of tough that's is is that i mean (laughs) is that the best player who's blocked you on twitter i think it's the only player that's blocked me on twitter you have you have your fair julius randall has me blocked (laughs) good lord uh dejounte murray has me blocked Oh no! <laughs> Which is very, that's very, very random. Very <laughs> random. Really I wrote random. it. And the only there are only two things I can think of that would have him block me, and neither of them really make much sense. Um, there was, I think it was the, I think the sixteen seventeen season. Um, I think he edged out Josh Richardson for all defensive second team, and I was uh, I put I pointed out some stats that Josh was better than him, and <laughs> that would be that would be a week block there and then I also wrote a piece on him for clutch points and it was like basically detailing him as a prospect um him needing to take a leap and I went over his strengths and weaknesses like I feel like it was a very balanced piece like phenomenal defender great in transition he needs the jumper to the pull-up jumper to come along like it, it wasn't anything no slander it's just like a film-based breakdown so like those are the only two things that come to mind like I don't add him obviously Nah, bro, you disrespected him. <laughs> so I'm surprised, <laughs> Mason, you didn't get blocked because there was the whole like, oh, DeJounte Murray should have got first team over Drew and you know he played twenty you know, there was a time where Pell's Twitter was pretty rough oh, yeah. up over yeah. over DeJounte Murray. Um and yeah, I'm surprised we didn't catch some blocks there. You 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 catch your fair share of blocks. I'm surprised it must be the verified check, which the guys <laughs> I think we're 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 saved. 
for Corey. not being there. There we go. I I got blocked by Eric Gordon for a little while, which was totally deserved on my part. And but I, I'm I'm blocked by him now. I, I think Randall's the only the only only NBA player I know of uh, who's got me. Or no, Bellinelli. He's got a lot of people blocked though. I'm not in, I'm not in rare company there. Yeah. Fun stuff. Well, Nikias, we have a couple of questions we'd like to ask you before we before we wrap it up. We 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 have two standards one, and sometimes we we mix up things. And and I'm gonna mix up things this time uh, a little bit to start it off. Do you? Ha- what's your prediction on where Drew Holiday ends up this in the next week? Basically, in the next week. Well, not in the next, uh, but you know, like till till the yeah, season starts. I got you. Um. I am going to say I'm going to stick with Denver. Like, I feel like there's a lot of smoke growing with Drew and Brooklyn, and I just don't know how New Orleans would feel about Karis LeVert. Like, I think he's good, but I don't know how they feel about the fit there. So I'm, I'm going to say Denver because, I mean, they could just they, – they have the pieces to get it done, and they have the ultimate trump card in Michael Porter Jr., which – Yes, that was intentional. But they have a uh, they have the piece. <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> they, they have there we go. So I mean, they they can outbid just about anyone for them if they really want them. And like Drew next to Jamal Murray, I think would be a great fit. So I'm going to say Denver. Uh, do you have, is there a dark horse team you you think that may come out with a with an offer that you didn't expect? I think I think Boston kind of felt like that team, but also I don't know if that's actually if they're just blowing smoke like like Boston always does and doesn't really pull through. Um, but is there a team that you think maybe should make an offer who hasn't been rumored as as in the hunt? Yeah, um, I feel like Indiana makes a lot of sense. I'm not sure how interested they are. They have their own um, guard they may need to trade. But I think Drew would be very fun in Indiana. To, uh, there's obviously the holiday angle, which just hit me. But well, his also- wife's family is from there, too. And there's Indiana was supposedly the next choice when Drew hit free agency a few years back. You know, if, if New Orleans hadn't given them the deal that they gave him, it was Indiana. I think there's lots of ties and smokes in, in Indiana, for sure. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think that, I mean, that's a natural fit. Like, him and Malcolm Brogdon would be a fantastic front court. Uh, not front court, back court. And if they're going to trade route, maybe that's how you get a guy like Miles Turner. Um, in theory, at least, he's the kind of front court space you want next to Zion, who can also protect the room. Um, obviously, he's a little bit better in theory than he is in practice right now, but he's the kind of piece you want next to Zion uh, with Brandon Ingram. He's going to be running more pick and roll this year. Um, I feel like they could be pretty natural trade partners if it came down to it. Yeah, make, makes sense. Um, so the, the normal wrap-up questions we have are um, around favorite and least favorite players. And, and so we go with uh, – so for Miami, do you have a few – or we can expand it to the league too. It, you know, favorite players, top three uh, that you've uh, – whether it's covering them or just being a fan of the NBA, I'm um, curious, curious what you got. It's all time. It's all yeah. time. Not limited to any specific season. Yep. Okay. Well, if we're going all time, uh, my favorite player of all time is Tracy McGrady. So I think he's he would definitely be up there. If I'm keeping it current, like I'm just a sucker for elite passers, period. So like my favorite guys in the league now, like Chris Paul, Nikola Jokic. Um, I'm a big James Harden guy, which is controversial on, around the Twitter <laughs> parts. But I mean, like he, he's just fantastic. Love Trey Young, love Luca. Like if, if you're – 
if you're above average size for your position and you can pass the ball, then you will have a fan in me. So Boogie? Ah. <laughs> when he was healthy, yeah. Like I've I've just completely soured on him now. And it's not really his yeah, fault. Yeah. Uh-huh. But it's it's just I mean, I, I've been dealing with the Heat can take a flyer on Boogie for like two <laughs> years now. And it's just like, yeah, <laughs> no, because you want someone that can move a little bit on defense. So, no, but like at, at his peak, he was incredibly fun to watch. He was a wrecking ball that could also handle the ball. Like, it's, I mean, you, <laughs> that's just high quality television right there. The flip side of of that question is who would you say are some of your least favorite players um and we usually ask like you know of, of the team that you cover but the, we, don't, we don't have to limit it limit it to that like of, of all time who who grinds your gears uh least favorite players um i guess i don't know like the way i consume basketball is either i like you or i'm neutral like, I don't really have anyone I dislike. Like, I guess, like, Russ isn't my cup of tea. Uh, DeMar DeRozan really isn't my cup of tea. Um, just, I mean, high usage guys that can't shoot or can't defend. It's just kind of where I, I cut ties with a lot of folks. Again, that's, like, why I soured with Boogie um, at this point. Um, that's, I mean, that's, I guess that would probably be the list. I can't think of anyone I dislike. I would say, at least not for basketball reasons. Now, well, now we're going to get um, DeRozan to trade it to the Heat this uh, this offseason, so you're welcome for that. Oh, dear God, no. I, uh, well, you know, if he's going to play backup point guard and just never close games, sure. I don't think he's going <laughs> to. Good luck with that. I guess, yeah. I guess if there's any team that can get him to buy into that, it's probably Miami, so uh, you got that. Yeah, I suppose. I guess D-Rose will be the one guy that I dislike for rather obvious reasons. But. Yeah, yeah. Yep. All right. Well, Nikias, where can our fans find you on Twitter or any other platform? And and is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, yes. Um, go read all the great content coming out at basketballnews.com right now. Um, I just recently did a piece on Russell Westbrook trade destinations. Um, I've been doing a free agency series, which I'm going to have to tinker a little bit with the news coming out earlier this week that free agency is basically starting like in a week. So I do not think I'm going to get through all 30 teams like I wanted to do. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I will keep everyone posted on that front. Um, as far as Twitter, follow me at NikaiasNBA, N-E-K-I-A-S-N-B-A, the most original name on Twitter. Basketball takes some occasional film breakdowns, lots of puns, um, lots of contextless tweets since the people love those. But uh, follow me there. Have a good time. You I heard think him, you gave, folks. I think you gave some people anxiety uh, on the pun front because I think they're already tired of mine. So if you want better, <laughs> if you want better puns, go to Nick, Nikias for sure. There we go. <laughs> awesome. Sweet. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, and this was great. All right. Appreciate it, man. Anytime. Yeah. Thanks. Y'all later.
Hello everyone, my name is Colin Kelly and I have one question for you. Do you love fantasy football and do you want to win in 2021? Then be sure to check out Rotoviz Overtime and all the other Rotoviz podcasts with new shows dropping every day on Blue Wire. We've got you covered for all things fantasy football. Subscribe to Rotoviz Overtime today.